You know, every time we turn around, it seems like Walker Jones and the Grove Collective is doing something else that leads the way. We'll tell you what they did this time in just a second. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Please subscribe there. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm Stephen Willis, and this is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. Ole Miss and the Grove Collective have joined an alliance. It's the Collective Association. TCA is the acronym du jour. Seven teams that have come together through their collectives to try and instigate change in college football. Now, we heard this earlier today. We saw an article about it on the Ole Miss Spirit. Chuck Roundsville had it. He's fairly connected at Ole Miss. He's probably the one person at Ole Miss that when he says something, I listen. But he talked about that, and I immediately started trying to research what was going on. What I found out was these seven schools basically formed together. It's three SEC, three Big Ten, and an ACC school. Florida State, Michigan, Georgia, Ole Miss, Penn State, USC, and Tennessee. And I'm counting USC as Big Ten just because next year they will be. So that is pretty cool. And it shows Ole Miss absolutely punching above its weight when it comes to a collective. Now, what I don't think people understand is exactly what NIL is. People look at it as a transactional thing. So whenever a player commits or decommits or commits somewhere else early in the recruiting process, they view that as a finality, that NIL is swung one way or another. You've heard many times that, oh, we just couldn't afford him, or the NIL number was much too high. And I've tried to preach to the people that watch this show, whether they listen or not, that's up to them. But NIL doesn't necessarily work like that. NIL is a relationship as it is formed in college football today. It starts when you start recruiting the kid, but you have to get him to commit, get him to sign, get him happy while he's at Ole Miss, and take him all the way through graduation. NIL is a relationship. Pure and simple. It's not a transactional thing that's either won or lost at the beginning. For instance, if a player wants to commit to another school, just because they were able to get a donor to get a player the way they used to get them does not mean their NIL collective is strong. Does not mean their NIL collective is cutting edge. Doesn't mean anything about their collective. They could have the most short-sighted collective in the world and get the best player in college football one time with one donor. I get that, but whenever you are in a state that is poor like Mississippi, because everybody knows Mississippi does not have a lot of money. It's always somewhere between 45 and 50 in the poorest state in the union. That is something we cannot control. The large part of the donor base is going to come from Mississippi. So it would struggle for Mississippi schools to have a good collective unless they think outside the box. And Ole Miss has hired Walker Jones 
to run things over at the Grove Collective. He's an executive that has worked in the Ole Miss Athletic Department, went to the Under Armour um, company, like the Walmart, you know, and I don't know. Okay. But he worked for Under Armour and he became an outside the box thinker because Under Armour, as he said on our show a couple of weeks back, was the emerging industry at that time. So in order to get market share and attention away from Adidas and Nike, they had to go about things different ways. Walker Jones says he thinks that makes him perfect for his job at the Grove Collective because he is willing to think outside the box as well. Now, these collectives and all of these have been given a front row seat to how NIL has evolved. What started out is like, hey, this is an endorsement for a tractor company in middle Nebraska has turned into something entirely different. I don't know what it is. Honestly, I don't care what it really is. I know that it needs to happen. I respect that it needs to happen. I do not need to see how the sausage is made and I just want it to get done. That is, that is my opinion. And that is probably the opinion of most fans. So this collective association, of these seven schools, seven large schools. Like, you know, if you're on that list, you're a blue blood. I mean, and then the Grove Collective gets put on that list because Ole Miss, as much as we love them, is probably not considered a blue blood, but them being on that list is an important thing. The TSA plans to spend some substantial time assisting its peers, whether it be talking through the NCAA's most recent guidance or the memo released in the June by the IRS named it Nonprofit Collectives. The TCA plans to release a revenue sharing model for college athletics that does not require them to become university employees in the coming weeks. This is a really, really smart deal in my opinion. Now, if you go back and look at my stuff, I guess it was around an Independence Day. I did an episode about how the death penalty is what was needed for college football because I am very much a stick person. Of course, you have to use the stick, but I am a stick person in order to keep people in line. Whenever, in my opinion, if the thought of losing your college football team for a year was on the table, I think a lot of the shenanigans less likely would be happening. And the NCAA, there, it would be inarguable that their membership is controlled by the NCAA. You don't have a right to be in the NCAA. So they could use that as a way to get around state laws and things like that. That's my opinion. That's what I do. But Walker Jones is a more carrot approach. And he has an idea of getting a group of money together from TV, TV rights, guaranteeing, earmarking them for collectives, and letting the collectives work. And it's more becomes more of a uniform thing. Now, it does become an issue to where like Toledo and Georgia come into the same sphere. That it's not revenue sharing at that level. But like Ole Miss and Georgia would be at the same level. Honestly, USC and Georgia would be at about the same level. And the point of this, and I'm going to get Walker on in August to explain what's going on with this. He thinks that to be um eligible for this revenue sharing for your collective, this extra money that can help you with athletes and all of this, you have to agree to be governed by this set of the rules. You know, forget the state laws and whatever's going on. 
you have to agree to play ball, which this is a nice way of getting to the same place I was in. I actually like this revenue sharing model idea. I think it, it, it will work. And as TV money and budgets have exploded in the last 10 years, when I was at Ole Miss, the full athletic budget was $30 million. Now they're on pace this year to get $60 million from TV alone. So the revenue sharing idea, you can get to where you need to be by doing it. Now, when we come back, we are going to talk about donor fatigue because that's becoming a real thing that Walker Jones has talked about, including on my show. We're going to talk about the Champions Now program that is going on right now. You're going to hear about that in the next couple of days when they open up the Manning Center because that is part of the Champions Now thing. And we're going to tell you how you can subscribe to where you're donating as little as $20 a month to the Grove Collective as a subscription offer, and you can take advantage of the membership perks that they give at different tiers. So that is something that we can look at right now. I do want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is the perfect fit. The same is the case when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay's guaranteed fit, you can be sure that every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check mark to know if it will fit or your money back. Because just like sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Motors guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. For your second listen today, go to Locked On SEC. Chris Gordy does a fantastic job. I did an Ole Miss preview earlier this week on there. We're working on getting Jeffrey Rush, potentially. He's agreed to do it. It hasn't been set up yet a day when he can do it. And Charles Stackhouse, we're going to get him on the show a little bit in the next couple of weeks as well. And we're pushing towards SEC media days. We're going to let this podcast marinate over the weekend, and then whenever we get back, we are ready to go. We'll have a great idea of what needs to be done as well. So we're talking about the NIL collectives um, that Ole Miss is a part of, honestly. Um, They joined the Collective Association. They're one of seven collectives that are the founding members going into that. And the goal of this is to bring additional collectives in, build up the power, and institute kind of real-life change when it comes to collectives. Not the Hail Mary of waiting for Congress to do something, and Congress is never going to do something. This is going to be too much of a hot-button issue for anything to get done. So it's not going to get done. If the NCAA wants anything done, they need it done themselves. And the way to do that may be through this revenue-sharing model. If not, It does give good, decent PR to the Grove Collective and these seven collectives that are involved in this. Now, I'm sure there's other decent collectives out there, but these sevens are the founding members. Now, remember also, ambitious collectives. Um, 
good collectives, all the people that are forward thinking like this, it doesn't mean they're necessarily rich collectives. It, it, that, that is not synonymous. Like Texas A&M and Texas is not in this list. Why is that? Because they have interest in the status quo staying pat, honestly. If you want my opinion on it, that is what I have to say about that. Now, They're hoping that this collective association will have a, the little bit of the pull to get in the room with the NCAA to enact real change across its membership and kind of lobby through this group. Their sentiments are they hope to um, meet with them. It's hard to predict what the NCAA is going to do in a given situation, but I think the NCAA will meet with a collective's association. Mitt Winter, a college sports attorney at Kansas City-based Kenny Hertz Perry said, or at least it should. It's clear from some of the public statements by Charlie Bakers and others, they don't have a full picture of what a well-run collective does and how they operate. If I were the NCA, I'd want to meet with the Collectives Association and learn more about them and see if there's any common ground and solutions or even new models for the collectives. Now, this is a write-up about Walker Jones and the Grove Collective. If you have any questions about how much of a high-level collective you have at the University of Mississippi, when Walker Jones took over as the executive director of the Grove Collective in September, he had some heavy lifting to do. Ole Miss was playing catch-up in NIL, a position no collective wants to be in. By late November, the collective topped $10 million in fundraising. It remains one of the top reported totals in the NIL collectives market. While Jones hammered home the importance of donors contributing to the Grove, he made sure that the collective was locating revenue outside of the fan base. That's smart. It's where I talked about um, different stuff and having to have a different mindset when it comes to collectives that fits in with what the Grove Collective is doing. And I do realize this is essentially a two-segment commercial for what the Grove Collective is doing because I think they're doing fantastic job. That's the reason they're posted on my microphone. I want everybody to um, see these guys. Now, how do I give to the Grove Collective? That is going to be the question for anybody that's watching the show. How do you do it? Um, do I need a, to be a big donor? Um, any type of money, as Walker Jones says, no type of money is too small. And he has institute, instituted a subscriber model. And we'll get to that in just a second. But the reason he did that is because what he is describing as donor fatigue. And you've got the same group of people that are constantly being asked for money. Eventually, they're going to say no. They're not going to mean to. They just, money is not unlimited. And you're going to find out about this, and you're going to hear about Champions Now. And that is the capital campaign that is at Ole Miss right now. They're about to finish up the Manning Center. They're working on the softball complex. There is facilities work that is being done by Ole Miss Sports right now in, in the way of a capital campaign. And Champions Now is that campaign. And the Manning Center, by all accounts, is fantastic. I talked to Maurice Davis earlier this week. He raved about what the Manning Center could be. His tour around it was really, he was really excited about that. So facilities still plays a role in this, okay? But if Champions Now is hitting somebody up for $200,000, 
And then NIL is hitting up for $200,000. I think at best, you can count on $100,000 going to both places, at best. It's actually possible that the person just tells you to kick rocks and why you keep asking for money. But one thing that Walker Jones was kind of ingenious with was this subscriber-based model. And I talked about this, heck, it's eight, probably been 18 months ago. Like my first YouTube show for Locked On was about this. And NIL is going after smaller and smaller donor abouts. It is going to suck all of the oxygen out of the room. It is actually going to compete, NIL is, with the sites that are subscription models around college football at the moment. Because where would your $10 a month be better served? On a message board or actually going with the procurement and um, keeping of players around your institution? It, I mean, it's a no-brainer. And message board and content, is it's increasing with collectives to the point where they're going to be able to compete at a level that these others are not even going to be able to compete with. Now, it's not saying it's, saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying what it is and what's going on. And that's one of the reasons I'm so excited about the Locked On brand. It's completely free content. It's for, completely about your program. You listen, comments, commentary, perspectives. You get the full picture that you need. Um, to follow your college sports team. And as new newsrooms are getting smaller and cutting coverage, Locked On is only doubling down on doing that. So stick around for that as well. I mean, it, it, there's a chance we could blow up over the next year, even more so than we have in the last year. So pay attention to that as well. Now, this is the NIL world that we live in. It's, I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying it's a thing. It's a thing that we need to respect and um, pay attention to. And we don't need to view it as a transactional thing. Too, much, too many times people look at it as a transactional thing. Heck, if you go back two weeks of time, you saw people um, crowing about a commitment that hasn't even signed and hasn't stayed in school. The NIL has not kicked in for that athlete, but they're crowing talking about NIL money. It's the weirdest thing. So I've given this some tools, and I'm going to put up right now um, the website for them. TheGroveCollective.com. You can donate as little as $20 a month to The Grove Collective. I think they have message boards. They have shops. They have all kinds of content that you can be accessed to, depending on the tier that you are in. Um like I said, Walker does a fantastic job, and the collective as a whole has done a decent job as they try to bridge the gap between us and much larger fan bases. So anyway, when we come back in the next segment, we will talk about the game with the Georgia Bulldogs. Should be a really, really good game and honestly really fun because once you take the pressure of winning or losing out of a situation, you can kind of learn what is going on. Anyway, stick around. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. For your second listen, check out um, Locked On SEC. But we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and my everydayers can attest to the fact that we've been doing this schedule thing for about a week and a half or two weeks at this point. And we're going to continue through Mississippi State. 
Now, I'm pretty excited about all about this football team. Hi, I'm Stephen Willis. It's the Locked On Almost Podcast. But I'm also real. And the Georgia Bulldogs are the favorites this season to win another national championship, their third in a row. This is a game that Ole Miss is going to be playing in Georgia. And there's honestly only one thing that's even in Ole Miss's favor, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, and that's the fact that they're the week before Georgia goes to Tennessee. Georgia's two most difficult games is pro- are probably the Ole Miss game and the Tennessee game, which is back-to-back as well. Now, if you look at the offense, Stetson Bennett steps out, but Carson Beck is probably going to be the starting job, and whoever wins that job, they're going to be able to throw the ball to Brock Bowers, who is probably the best player in college football. And then they have Lad McConkey, who was a no-star. People always talk about Georgia and five-star. Lad McConkey was like a two-star that was rated after he signed, um, is starting on an SEC team and making plays. Now, you can't make a living off doing that. I'm just saying, teams that are really good have really good scouting facilities, and they handle things the right way. Georgia also he dipped into the transfer portal at the receiver position, um, for Ra-Ra Thomas from Mississippi State and Dominic Lovett from Missouri. Lovett was the alpha in Missouri's receiving room last year, even though Luther Burden was on that team. They're both expected to have large impacts this season on the team. Now, their defense, it says on here, believe it or not, 2022 was a real rebuilding year on that defense. That's clear to see when you look at the returning production on 2023. It always starts up front where grizzled veteran Zion Logue, Nazar Stackhouse, Trammell Walther, and Warren Brinson are back. Younger guys like Tyrion, Ingram Dawkins are expected to have a massive impact, while Michael Williams, who missed most of the spring for a relatively minor foot surgery, is back on the bunch. Now, the final analysis is on this, and we're, we're going to keep this relatively short, well, kind of relatively short, but George is the favorite to win the national championship for the third straight year. The back-to-back champions are just as talented as they have been the past two seasons, if not more so. Now, Stetson Bennett is gone, and he was a good quarterback. Um, but Carson Beck, I mean, the, the assembly line of five stars that they have, you think they're going to be able to find one. That's what stacking elite classes on top of each other will do for you from a roster standpoint. Ultimately, it will come down to the quarterback battle if the Bulldogs are going to make history with a three-peat. Inexperience is an issue, but the staff is confident in the guys battling it out. Georgia should field another elite defense to go with a big play offense. And a manageable schedule. The schedule is actually a little bit of a joke. It almost doesn't even look like an SEC schedule, but part of that is because Georgia is so good. Now, If you look at the teams that won the back-to-back national championship, it was like Alabama in 2011, 2012, something like that, and the Nebraska Cornhuskers in the 90s went back-to-back. Those are the three teams in the last 30 years that have gone back-to-back. I don't think anybody has three-peated. So you would think that Georgia, this would be the year that they would mess up. If not, history is absolutely in the cards for this team that has basically replaced Alabama. it's silly to think about it, but what Alabama was in 2011-2012, how dominant, when you think of Alabama, this Georgia team has become that. 
their running game. Um, they have the kid from Germantown in Mississippi. I forget his name. I think it's Brandon something. Um, really, really good player. Um, I noticed him in mop-up time in the national championship game. He's kind of a dude. They've compared him to Nick Chubb. And, and if people want to get scared, they, they should get scared. Because everything on this Georgia team starts from having an elite offensive line and an elite defensive line. And they build off of that with the elite players as well. Now, going to Georgia in that time of year is probably not ideal, okay? But this is the schedule before and after Ole Miss. On the 28th, they're at Florida. On the 4th, they're um, versus Missouri. The next week, they play Ole Miss. So there's no game that is going to get their attention before the game. Now, afterward, I did mention this. There's a game at Tennessee, which is probably the biggest game on their schedule and the most difficult game on their schedule. But it is not a difficult schedule. The two most difficult games that they have is versus Ole Miss and at Tennessee, with at Tennessee having that. Georgia has an 89% chance of winning that game, Ole Miss an 11% chance, um, according to the FBI. And what that means is if the game was played at 100 times, Georgia would win 89 and Ole Miss would win 11. That, that's what that means. And I, I, I just think that Georgia is going to be able to pull off uh, another undefeated run this season. We're seeing something pretty special and a dynasty that is absolutely in the works at the moment. Now, if you look at the W's and L's, I did mark that up as an L. Ole Miss right now sits at 7-3 and three in my list over the week. Ole Miss is going to be favored in their last two games. So um, if you play the numbers, Ole Miss should be 9-3, and three, although that Egg Bowl game can get weird. But that is what we're looking at currently. Now, whenever you sit here and look at these games and you try to figure out what's going to work, what's not going to work. Injuries, 15 different things could happen to influence the outcome of a football game. This one I'm not sure about. Now, when I was at the Under Armour All-American game, there, there was a person from the AJC, which, by the way, if you're an AJC person covering Georgia right now, good luck, buddy. But there was an AJC person there that was describing the Georgia Bulldogs. And he said in 2024, that's the first year of the 12-team playoff, Texas and Oklahoma, all of that happening. When that happens, their whole defense will be top 100 players. Now, to put that in perspective, if Ole Miss has a signing class of four top 100 players, it is considered an elite signing class, something that should be celebrated to the nth degree. Georgia can have upwards to four or five top 10 players. They're cooking. Their machine is absolutely working. Their collective is doing the things they need to do. You are looking at what the modern college football team looks like. Now, here's the other thing that you need to remember. And I think coaches have really long memories. Kirby Smart's first year, they came to Oxford. And Ole Miss absolutely killed them. It was 42 to nothing at the end of the third quarter. Georgia scored two later touchdowns, but 
it was a bad look for the Georgia Dogs that day. Ole Miss completely waxed them up and down the field. In fact, that was probably the swan song of the Hugh Freeze era looking back on it. But Ole Miss ended up winning that game like 45-14. Coaches have long memories. And even though Hugh Freeze is not on the sideline, I don't know if Georgia's going to take it out on Auburn or if Georgia's going to take it out on Ole Miss, but we'll see exactly what happens. I know that Hugh Freeze gets them first, so maybe a little bit of that sting will be taken off, a little bit of that rose, um, that bloom off the rose is going to be taken off of it a little bit. But Georgia has the most talented in this conference by a significant amount. Texas A&M, Alabama is probably tier two. Tier three is LSU. I mean, that's the way it sits right now. Georgia will likely win this football game. Upsets happen. I've seen Ole Miss go over there with Walker Jones. We talked about him with that when he was on the show, talking about the Grove Collective, about him running down with Brock Kreitz, Heinz Ward, this play in like 1995 or 1996 that was the turnaround that allowed them to be ready for that 1997 run. Upsets happen. I don't know if this is a game that you should look for an upset on. Seriously. Anyway, should be pretty good. Anyway, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. My everydayers. We're going to go, go towards SEC Media Days next week. We're going to try and get Charles Stackhouse. We're going to try and get Jeffrey Rush. Those are players that are coming up in the short-term future. We also have some other stuff that we're looking at that could possibly happen down the road as well. So hope everybody enjoys that. I hope everybody has a great weekend. Before this, like I said, I recorded this one a little bit early, so if something happens, I may have to do a reaction to it. But overall, nice little three-day weekend to get ready for media days and to get started to go. So I hope everybody has a great weekend. As always, hotty toddy.